Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. <laughs> I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, they're saying there's a new California strain that's resistant to the vaccine. I guess I'm just going to have to stay out here on the range a little longer and wear three masks. It's Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. Follow the podcast on Gavin Parlor at I'm Your Moderator or on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm Your Moderator. And you can join the discussion thread at t.me slash Be Reasonable Discussion. Also, go buy a t-shirt, www.cancelcouture.com. So today is the 34th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party and is happy to make the United States complicit with the worst regime on earth that right now has two million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps where the women are sterilized, raped, and having their heads shaved so that their hair can be sold as extensions to Western women around the world. Joe Biden is also the patriarch of one of America's most corrupt families and the father of One of the most despicable sons of all time, Hunter Biden. 
So congratulations, America. You got your moral standing back. Now, some good news out of North Dakota. They have passed a bill to ban mask mandates in their state. One of one of their reps called a, a mask mandate diabolical silliness. And I agree. That is a very adequate descriptive phrase. The mask plan is diabolical and it's ridiculously silly. And I've thought this before and been wrong, but it really does seem like public opinion is changing slowly about these things. Last night, Naomi Wolf was on Tucker Carlson talking about the encroaching authoritarianism of the usurper regime right now. And she was also talking about how someone other than Anthony Fauci should be leading this response because as Steve Bannon says, and as I've said for a year, Anthony Fauci is a pathological liar. He is a fraud. He does not communicate or even seem to pay much regard to the science or the data. He says things within days of one another that are in complete and total contradiction. And the masks are just one out of many instances where he does that. I wrote on Parler last night, I was thinking about this. I think when people ask now, hey, why aren't you wearing a mask? The best response you can give is, why aren't you wearing three? Because Fauci and even the CDC have said that two is a good idea. Andy Slavitt, that fat melting pile of big pharma hackery keeps appearing to speak for the administration on various cable news shows. And he says that the first mask is just for fun, but the second mask seals down the first mask and provides that, that really snug, snug fit. And that's how you prevent COVID. And it's good that they figured this out only nine months after instituting the original mask guidances, because adding a second mask at that point, who could have ever come up with that back then? I mean, this is a new virus, a totally new virus, a whole new world of viruses. So they didn't know back then that two masks would work a little better. But they did say countless times that if everyone just wore a mask, this could all be over in two weeks. Or if everyone just wore a mask, this could all be over in four to six weeks. But then when the two weeks passes and the four to six week period passes, they have to start all over again because they let us know that not everyone was wearing a mask. So I guess now they must be taking responsibility for the fact that even if everyone was wearing a mask, it wouldn't have worked because the right amount of masks is two. But if two helps like that, then a third mask 
must seal the first two masks even better. So just by their same logic, the third mask would be great. I mean, even with the two masks, we know it's not zero, right? The virus can still get out from your masks because the cloth masks don't actually trap the virus in at all. And you could know that because of breathing and because those masks have no physical characteristic that prevents viral spread. Unless it catches a drop, a droplet, as Anthony Fauci says. So why, communist, are you not wearing three masks? You know, your failure to wear three masks could be threatening to kill my grandmother. And I take great offense to you wanting to kill my grandmother. So I suggest that right now, unless you want to bear the moral brunt of having my grandmother's blood on your hands, you will add another mask. Why, communist, are you not already wearing four masks? Four masks is better than three masks. And it's definitely better than two masks, and it's definitely better than one mask. So, you know, I'm wearing a mask, one mask, and it's just a bandana, which doesn't do anything. But it counts as a mask in California. And I'm wearing that one mask because I have to. But see, I'm the customer, and you're the person who's telling me to wear a mask while you're only wearing one mask. So wear two masks, Kami, or wear three masks. But don't tell me to wear a mask when you're only wearing one mask because the CDC says that two masks are better. And that's the science. That's the data. That's what I'm going to have to go with. And until you put on that third mask, I am going to have to consider you a killer. And it's not that I'm a bad or mean person and I'm not judgmental. I just don't want anybody's grandmother to die. So wear three masks. It's that simple. Two masks are better than one. Three are better than two. Wear three or you're a murderer. Sorry, commies. Them's the breaks. Now, speaking of COVID, bad segue. COVID relief bill, right? Isn't that what everybody's concerned about? Oh, we need to pass this COVID relief bill to get help to the American people. We need to pass this $1.9 trillion bill after we just spent $5 trillion in December for the American people. Because the $5 trillion in December was supposed to have that $600 or $1,400 or $2,000 payment But that payment has never come. And Joe Biden's already pretended to be president for, what, 34 days now? And there's no $2,000. That was their promise. That was the big promise of the January 5th runoff in Georgia. Just give the Democrats these two communists and put these two communists in the Senate doesn't matter if you have to cheat in the election to do it, but please put these two communists in the Senate 
And then we will for sure get everybody $2,000 right away. And by right away, we mean probably never, but we're going to tell you that we're doing it right away. And that should cover it. That should cover it. Because you see the whole thing with Democrat policies is that they're only good for discussion's sake. There are things that we talk about but never do. Because if we just leave them at the stage of talking about them, then we get all the benefit and we don't have any of the problems that come after actually implementing the policies. And so we just retain power without fixing anything. And then we point out that the things we haven't fixed are still a problem. So we're just going to need a little bit more power. And I mean, we could just cut out the middleman and, and you know, father time. Just give us all the power and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's probably the best situation. So let's do that. All the commie power. Now, here's an article yesterday from Forbes, not the greatest source in the world. Sometimes they're just like the Huffington Post and anyone can publish anything. But this is from Adam, Adam Andrzejewski, I'm going to say, because there's too many consonants in that name and there's no way I'm going to just get it right on the first try. Andrzejewski, I bet that's it. But who knows? He's a senior contributor on policy. Is there wasteful spending in the new $1.9 trillion coronavirus stimulus bill? Question mark. Yes. What a question. Is there wasteful spending? Who knows? Over the weekend, the U.S. House posted a first draft version of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, a $1.9 trillion emergency aid package to help America recover from the coronavirus pandemic. The truth is, the way that people recover from the coronavirus pandemic is just by waiting till the virus goes away. And that's true in 99.8% of the cases. And the other 0.2% of the cases are people who die with the coronavirus who were already on their way to dying anyway. And then there's like a 0.0002% chance that anyone else died. What America needs to recover from, of course, is the response to the coronavirus pandemic and from the media narrative about the response to the coronavirus pandemic. That's what we need to recover from. And the way to recover from that is to tell the public that you were just lying. If recovery is the goal, if getting back to normal society is the goal, we could just do that. We could just open everything just like we could have last summer. We would have the same results of the coronavirus. Of course, if we opened everything, we should probably take the extra step and actually legitimize the coronavirus testing so that it was picking up real cases and not just random little bits of virus. That could be anything, but we're going to call it coronavirus. We could legitimize the test, and then we wouldn't have the coronavirus at all. All we would have is the flu, since right now we have just replaced the flu 
with coronavirus. Like if coronavirus was translated in some weird language that we don't know about, and the translation was extra scary flu, that would be accurate. That would be how it's used. Anyway, previous legislation already provided at least $4 trillion in funds for testing, paid family leave, small business relief, direct payments to individuals and families, the Kennedy Center, and a plethora of non-related COVID, quote-unquote, relief. Okay? Since House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's leadership team essentially wrote the bill, our auditors at OpenTheBooks.com found what House Democrats consider coronavirus recovery essential spending. $1.5 million earmarked for the Seaway International Bridge, which connects New York to Canada. Senate leader Chuck Schumer hails from New York. So I guess that's a pet project of Chuck. I don't know why we need extra money to get to Canada as part of a COVID relief package. But then again, I'm not a corrupt politician. $50 million for quote unquote family planning to go to nonprofits, i.e. Planned Parenthood or public entities, including for services for adolescents. $852 million for AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps VISTA, and the National Senior Service Corps, the Corporation for National and Community Service, Civic Volunteer Agencies. This includes $9 million for the AmeriCorps Inspector General to conduct oversight and audits of the largesse. Hmm. AmeriCorps received a $1.1 billion fiscal year 2020 appropriation. Oh, that's money well spent. People of goodwill can debate each of these goals, but is it truly emergency spending or funding related to COVID? No. For example, what is the purpose for a hike in the minimum wage to $15 per hour, which the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office says will cost the economy 1.4 million jobs? Certainly, the coronavirus stimulus bill does provide $473 billion in payments to individuals, $75 billion in cash for vaccines, $26 billion to restaurants, $15 billion to help fund airline payrolls, and another $7.2 billion in Paycheck Protection Program funding for small businesses. Okay, $26 billion to restaurants. So Americans can't go to restaurants and spend their own money at restaurants, thus keeping restaurants open and flush with cash to run their businesses. Now we need to have all Americans donate $26 billion to restaurants. But the thing is that $26 billion will not go directly to restaurants because I would think that that money could go quite a distance with restaurants. America has somewhere around 250,000 restaurants. So that would be around $100,000 or so per restaurant if they were all just given equal amounts and the money was going directly to the restaurants. And that would probably help restaurants out quite a lot. Not as much as having been open for the last 10 months or 11 months or a year, Jesus, it's been almost a year. 
And California still does not have indoor dining open. But that's not how the program's gonna go down. They'll figure out a way that that money should go to studying the problems with restaurants. Or it'll go to certain special interest groups that have something to do with restaurants. Is it going to help keep small businesses open? Dunno. They haven't been too good at it so far. However, the Wall Street Journal editorial board estimated that only $825 billion was directly related to COVID relief and $1 trillion was, quote, expansions of progressive programs, pork, and unrelated policy changes, end quote. For example, separately, our auditors found that $470 million in the bill doubles the budgets of the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the National Endowment of the Arts and the Humanities. $200 million in the bill to the Institute of Museum and Library Services. This agency is so small that it doesn't even employ an inspector general. Their fiscal year budget in 2019 was $230 million. $270 million funds the National Endowment of the Arts and the Humanities. Their 2019 budget was $253 million. In 2017, our study showed 80% of all nonprofit grant making flowed to well-heeled organizations with over a million dollars in assets. Oh, well, that's great. So what we're doing is taking hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars and giving them to already wealthy organizations in the name of the arts and humanities. But which arts and humanities are they promoting? Are they ones that the state enjoys? Are they ones that are amplifying the political message? For sure. Is that art? Nope. That's propaganda. A quick spotlight on agencies and entities receiving coronavirus recovery money in the bill includes $350 billion to bail out the 50 states and District of Columbia. The allocation formula uses the unemployment rate in the fourth quarter of 2020. Therefore, states like New York and California, who had strict economic lockdown policies and high unemployment, will get bailout money. States like Florida and South Dakota, who were open for business, will get less. There you go. What have I been saying since last May? There is your bailout for communist states. They're getting the money specifically because they kept businesses closed. That money is going to the state coffers. It's not going to the people whose businesses were closed. This is erasing the debts of those states that they racked up by shutting down their state's economies. This is absolute corruption, deplorable swamp shit. $350 billion being disseminated based on their state's ability to keep unemployment numbers high. And how do they judge those unemployment numbers? Well, one of their metrics is whether or not people were claiming unemployment, which is exactly like claiming a mail-in ballot. 
They send them around to who knows who. And if the money is accessed, well, that must mean that the person is unemployed. We already know that the EDD debit cards were going to people all over the state. They were being stolen. They were being collected. They were being harvested. And then people were spending money wherever they like. They were spending the unemployment money on their own luxury goods in Beverly Hills. That's what was getting paid for. That's what kept the unemployment numbers hot. There's no reason why California's unemployment is this high, except for how Gavin Newsom and the mayors of Los Angeles and San Francisco and elsewhere chose to restrict the freedom of the citizens that they're meant to be serving and representing and looking out for. This was always the plan and it was always known to be the plan. So what the Democrat party did by guaranteeing a Joe Biden quote unquote win, because of course they knew they were cheating too, they guaranteed all these states would get bailed out And so they didn't actually have to operate the state correctly. They could drive the state into economic ruin, knowing that they would get bailed out. The politicians, not the people. The people are insignificant. The people are pawns in a game. And the game is crush the economy, make unemployment look really high, inflate the coronavirus case numbers, use all of this to destroy Donald Trump, And then you just get the money back afterward. Do you have to give it to the people you ripped off whose lives you destroyed? No, we can use that money to clear up things like pension deficits. Or we can throw it out to extra bullshit projects that will never get done, like homeless housing or bullet trains. $128.5 billion to fund K through 12 education. The CBO determined that most of the money in education will be distributed in 2022 through 2028 when the pandemic is over. Oh, really? $128.5 billion to fund K-12 education, even though K-12 aren't in school in Democrat states. $128.5 billion. That sounds to me like a bunch of concessions for the teachers unions. $86 billion to save nearly 200 pension plans insured by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp. There are no reforms mandated while these badly managed pensions are bailed out. Many of these pension plans are co-managed by unions. So there we go. I guess the $350 bailout, $350 billion bailout didn't even include the pension problem. So there's more money for that. And they're co-managed by unions. Who would have ever guessed? $50 billion goes to the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. A portion of these funds is earmarked to reimburse up to $7,000 for funeral and burial costs related to COVID deaths. What? That sounds like they're trying to pay off all the families of the old people they killed. Fuck's sake, $7,000 for funeral and burial costs get reimbursed to people? Now listen, 
I've been talking this whole time about how people deserve to get this relief money, not the fucking Kennedy Center. But reimbursing funeral costs? Like, that sounds crazy. And how do the people get this money for these reimbursements? This, I'm going to look into this more because that bothers the hell out of me. Uh, $39.6 billion to higher education. This amount is three times the money that higher ed received with the massive CARES Act funding from last March. Now, why does higher education need any government assistance? They are still selling their product, which is bad communist education, to students who have no choice but to continue paying for the product, even though they're only getting a facsimile of the product since they can't actually go to the colleges. And if they do go to the colleges, they are imprisoned in their dorm rooms. But sure, $40 billion more to colleges. $1.5 billion for Amtrak, the National Railroad Passenger Corporation. In fiscal year 2020, Congress appropriated $3 billion for Amtrak, $2 billion in annual appropriations, plus an additional billion dollars in CARES Act COVID relief. For a train? Okay. In the three years before the pandemic, Amtrak lost $392 million, even after a $5 billion taxpayer subsidy. Oh, that's good. We reached out to Speaker Pelosi for comment and we'll update the piece if there's a response. There won't be a response. During the past three years, Republicans and Democrats have helped drain the U.S. Treasury from the left and the right. Our national debt increased from $10 trillion in 2008 to $19.6 trillion in 2016 to $23.6 trillion and stands at tw- in 2020 and stands at $28 trillion today. Continuing coronavirus responses and bloated legislation will drive national debt much higher, obviously. And where does any of this money come from? Well, of course, it's just added on to the balance sheet of debt for the Fed and for the central banks. They can make the number whatever they want. They don't care because what's happening is that the government of Washington, D.C. is agreeing to sell off the prosperity of the United States to these people for these particular projects. Everything that they give to actual people or they do to benefit actual people's lives is just circumstantial. The point is the overarching projects that this money is going to. That's what they want. And it doesn't matter where the money comes from because this whole system that they are trying to enact is a global system. So in some sense, they're considering it everybody's money so long as that ultimately it's the central bank's money. Now, tonight was supposed to be the usurper Joe Biden's State of the Union address, or at least it was rumored to potentially be on February 23rd. But there has been no announcement at all in the last week about a State of the Union, which we have to assume means it's not happening. Perhaps President Trump will be giving the State of the Union this Sunday when he speaks to CPAC. I think maybe that is the real State of the Union for this year. 
And there's no comment from the Biden fake administration about where the State of the Union would be. Joe Biden literally could not make it through an hour-long address to the American people. I think we all know that. That would be an absolute debacle, which is why I would love to see it, personally. The number of mistakes and errors would be magnificent. And if the American people all actually had to pay attention to this man at the same time as he told them what the Democrat Party intended to do to their lives, Joe Biden's approval rating would drop even further than it is. The left, the people on Twitter, are already in mutiny stages about the Joe Biden presidency. They are regretting their vote. Now, that's nice in a way. What would have been nicer is if they had actually paid attention during the campaign because they could have seen that this is what was coming. Instead of that, they just read the notifications from Apple News, they watched Rachel Maddow, and they indulged their hatred for Donald Trump. And they took all of that into the voting booth and proudly voted to end this terrible Trump era where everybody's stupid and evil. And for their sloth and inattention, they are rewarded with this national disgrace. A presidential usurpation by the most incompetent, dishonest, and stupid people that have ever had power in our country. And that was on full display by the impeachment managers at that sham impeachment last week. And one last thing before we go, Gavin Newsom signed Senate Bill 29 into law over the weekend, formally extending the state requirement for counties to send absentee ballots to all voters until January 2022, including his own potential recall election. This is a Democrat bill that acts as an extension to AB 860, a bill that required all counties to mail out absentee ballots to all registered voters due to COVID-19 concerns in the months before the November 2020 election. So the same logic is applied here. He is extending an emergency measure from COVID-19, even though we have already held a national election with in-person voting and no problems anywhere in the country of spreading events at the polling places. I have not seen one report anywhere. In fact, if you recall, the CDC on election day said that it was okay for people with current COVID infections to go vote in person because them going to vote was so important, more important than COVID, just like going out and protesting for George Floyd was more important than COVID. In a medical sense, this is what we're told. And now the CDC is actually setting up its own unit to study racism as a public health issue. And that's always good because whatever they find 
we then have to adopt this policy because it's the science and the data. The CDC said so. So if the CDC says that racism or gun violence are public health concerns, well, I guess we have no choice but to believe them and then listen to them because they're the doctors and scientists, so they must be working for everyone's benefit. After all, we know that doctors and scientists are all morally perfect. That's how they ended up being doctors and scientists. Gavin wants mail-in balloting for one reason and one reason only, and it has nothing to do with the coronavirus. All of these attempts should be completely transparent to anyone who's paying attention. They are declaring, they are screaming at the top of their lungs. Hey, everybody, we're going to cheat in this election. And we're going to tell you how we're going to cheat. And the fact that we're telling you now means that it's a good thing we're doing this. We're cheating for you. Don't you understand? Mail-in ballots to every registered voter, even though the voter rolls are a mess. There are some estimates, the low-end estimates, are that a million California voters are registered but inactive. There are estimates that go up to 5 million. There are 20 million eligible voters in California. 5 million extra mail-in ballots floating around the state. That's a full one quarter of the actual number of eligible voters. And that means if all of the eligible voters were to vote and all those 5 million mail-in ballots to to registered voters who are inactive, if those all got voted, a full 20% of the ballots would be from voters who do not exist in California. They've either moved out, they've died, they've re-registered in other places and now have multiple registrations. And then, of course, we have the same phenomenon we had last time where individual people would receive multiple ballots addressed to them. This is what is considered to be okay by the state that pretends it's leading the nation. California is not leading the nation in shit, except for stupid ideas and number of really loud communists. This is a disaster waiting to happen. Gavin is trying to make sure that he cannot be taken down. Again, Gavin is loathed here. He thinks he's going to be president someday. California voters do not agree with that. And we can only hope that this situation gets solved before that election because they're going to cheat like crazy once again. That's how they win. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye.
Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform is great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. 
If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!